the 21st of May, 2009, episode 111. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. So as some of you may know, I've been pouring through my email, actually finally answering things uh, that people sent in from uh, quite a long time ago. But today I thought I'd hit on a couple of topics that people sent in and wanted to hear about. Uh, one of those is actually something we've covered uh, in, in an episode probably a long time ago, and that's about organization. Organization in terms of your workflow, your files, um, you know how you, how you save your files, uh, actually working inside of your files and everything that you could possibly organize um, should be organized and we'll talk a little bit about that and the other one was kind of the evolution of flash somebody was uh, wrote in and told me you know they love flash and uh, you know gone are those days of the 30 to 60 second intros to a website like a splash page where you get there and there's a little animation um, of course we kind of moved on from that. People got sick of waiting for things to play out or having to press a button that says skip animation to get to an actual website. So uh, we'll look at, you know, Flash, kind of where it was, you know, a few years back or even further than that and where it's kind of gone and just talk about technologies like this and how they evolve into something that may be a little bit bigger than, you know, what we thought it might have been when it first came out. But that's what we're going to be talking about on the show today. Uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for tuning in again, for uh, subscribing or just going to the site and downloading the show if that's what you do. However you get it, thank you for listening and thank you for supporting the podcast. And a special thank you to all those people, again, who wrote in. And uh, let me just extend another apology because I am the worst at answering these emails in a timely fashion. I think some of them were actually months late. So I apologize for that. But, uh, you know, I'm doing my best to try and answer every single email that comes in to me. And, you know, I, I kind of pride myself in the fact that I don't just give you a, a two-sentence answer. I actually, you know, think a little bit about what you're saying to me. Um, even if I'm going to put something into a podcast like we're doing today, um, I still try and give a good meaningful answer to whoever wrote me so that they have something to go with and they don't just have to wait for me to uh, put something up on the podcast and hope that... Um, I'm actually going to cover their topic, but yeah, I do try and, you know, send a very good, a very detailed response to an email. So if you want to email me, you have a question for me, or if there's a topic that you'd like to hear on the show, definitely send it in. Uh, you can email me at rdpodcast at gmail.com. That's rd as in rookie designer, rdpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll, again, I'll get to that as quickly as I can. It might not be quick, but it'll be, uh, you know, in the time that I'm able to do it. Uh, so again, special thanks to those people who send, uh, send in topics or questions or who just want to, you know, give me a pat on the back for doing this. Uh, it's not something that I'm obviously going to be asking for, but a lot of people um, send their thanks that way. Uh, also, thank you to the people on Twitter who have been uh, sending me messages and, and uh, you know, encouraging me in what I do. Uh, we are on Twitter, of course, I guess, as you might have noticed from the last sentence there. But um, our the 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 name for my Twitter account is Rookie Designer, 
And one thing that I want to ask, I used to ask every time, and I would still like to ask that anybody who enjoys the show or who gets something out of it, please tell you know anybody who you think might be able to profit, not profit, but you know, learn from this or actually become a better designer or just, you know, get some good tips off this show, please let them know. And Twitter is probably one of the best ways to do that. I, I see, you know, every day people keep following my my Twitter feed or my Twitter, I'm not even sure what you call it, but they start following me and they have just thousands and thousands of people that follow them. So, you know, if you don't mind doing a little promotion for my show, a very easy way to get it out to tons and tons of people would just be to, you know, just blast something out there on Twitter and say, Hey, you know, I listen to this podcast. I think it's pretty good and give them the, uh, the link, you know, maybe the link to the website or the link to the, the iTunes store so that they, they could just go there and, uh, subscribe to it there. Just anything. If you could do that for me, that would be awesome. It would help the show continue to grow. And, uh, I think, uh, I think that would work pretty well. So just kind of to kind of update, because I've been answering a lot of emails and some of them were back from when, you know, people are encouraging me to, you know, keep going on with the show because I was kind of indecisive as to whether it was going to keep going. And uh, just to kind of update and let everybody know, give everybody that uh, easy feeling about it. Um, it's been going pretty well. You know, every couple of weeks has been working pretty well for me. I've got people sending me in to- sending in topics for me. Uh, which is good because, as I said, it helps me to a be able to you know put something out there that hopefully you guys are interested in, and b it takes a little work off of me actually thinking of what I think you guys want to hear about. So it it makes it easier for me, and it and it makes it more enjoyable for me as well because I know at least somebody is going to get something out of the show. Um, so please continue to do that if you if you want to, but. It, I see no signs of stopping this podcast as it is right now. Um, it does happen every couple of weeks instead of every week like it used to, but most people said they didn't really have a problem with that. And uh, that's just the format we're going to try and go with. And uh, it looks like we're going strong. So uh, hopefully that trend will continue, but it looks like it's going to. I think that's about it, except for our sponsor, who is GoToMeeting. And GoToMeeting gives you a great way to meet with other people uh, get a lot done and saves you a bunch of money. And you do this by actually meeting online. You set up a meeting, they join the meeting through their browser, no matter where they are, they don't have to pay to travel to be in the same room as you because you actually can share your screen with them. You're, it's like desktop sharing. So they can see everything that you're doing on your computer, even though they're you know maybe several thousands of miles away. And you talk to them over the phone or over voice over IP or both. And that way, you know, it's a discussion as well as you have visual aids to show them, hey, this is what I'm doing with your website, or this is how our campaign is being built out so far. What do you think? Do you like it? You know, should we shift in a different direction? Anything like that. And uh, you can really get uh, get great productivity out of it. You also save a bunch of money because you pay one flat rate and you meet as many times as you need to. So if you want to try this for free, you just need to go to this URL. It's gotomeeting.com slash techpodcasts. That's gotomeeting.com slash tech podcasts. And uh, you click on that link or you go to that URL rather, and you just fill out a short little form and you can download and try the software for free for 30 days. Uh, I'll also have a link in my show notes as always. So if you go to rickydesigner.com, go to the show notes for this show or 
basically any of them. And there's going to be a link that you can click there and to, to get there and to download that software and try it for free. All right, so our first uh, person that wrote in and, and gave me a topic to talk about is Ivan. And he wanted to know about organizing. He says, how can we organize our work for our client's agency or company? And this is, as I said, something we covered a long, long time ago. I mean, we've done a lot of shows now. We've done 111 shows. So there's going to be things that we have definitely covered before. Some of them way, way in the past. For those of you who have listened to every single episode, uh, first of all, thank you. And uh, second of all, I'm sorry if you have to hear things repeated, but some things I think are worth repeating. Um, just these fundamental issues that, that we come up against at work. And you know, if we're not practicing them, we need to be practicing them. And one of those things I think is organization. Organization can uh, really save you a lot of time. And I, I think last time we talked about the the those kind of people who just have a graveyard of files on their desktop. Now I used to work with a person like this, and I never understood how they worked, how they found anything. And you know, I was working with this person on a video file. And of course, if you've ever worked with a video. And, you know, something that has lots of different pieces. It's not just, you know, a couple of straight videos and you shoot them and everything looks good and you just keep it that way. We're talking about tons of resources. You got tons of different clips. You might have some animation clips or files that go into there as well. I mean, it's almost like a website. You can end up with just tons and tons of assets. Well, all these assets were strewn all over this guy's desktop and he didn't know where anything was. And he didn't have any way to, you know, like collect for output where he could just press a button and would go find all those files for him. He had to actually manually search for them on his computer. And as you can imagine, this is like really, really the wrong way to do things. You're going to waste a lot of time. If you can't even find the files that you've been working on, then you're, you're wasting tons of time. Whereas if you just make a folder structure in the very beginning and put everything where it's supposed to go, you know, you have a folder for, you know, the project, the actual project. And, you know, if there's different facets of that, maybe you have web and print and video. Inside that video, you got the another folder that has the title of the project and then maybe an assets folder in that. Um, I tend to be super duper anal about these things. So I'll end up with, you know, a humongous folder structure at times uh, where I have to kind of wade through like maybe you know, eight to 10 levels of folders before I can get to what I need. But I always know exactly where everything is. So I'd say key number one is that folders are your friends. You may not want to have to go through like 8 million folders to get to what you want. But the more you uh, structuralize your projects, the more folders that you make with meaningful titles, the easier it is going to be for you to find things. And you're not going to waste that time. That's time that you could spend working on something else and making more money as opposed to searching your computer. Now, there are good search tools on our computers these days, on both of them. Um, I'd have to say I, I favor the ones on the Mac, but I know there are, are, are ones that are useful on the PC as well. Um, I just think that... Um, that's it's still a waste of your time to have to go into one of those search tools and say, all right, what did I name this thing? All right, um, geez, where would it be? You know, you shouldn't have to do that kind of stuff. So um, let's dig down e even a little bit further, actually. 
and talk about when you're working, when you're, uh, you're working on a team, you're working with other designers who will be working on the same files that you work on. Um, we need to be organized in our files as well. And that means um, naming layers. That's a big one. I, I know that there's probably a lot of people out there who work on Photoshop files and get like tons and tons of layers going and don't name them. I, I'm guilty of it many times myself. Um, my excuse is people don't generally work on my files. I, I work pretty much by myself. So, you know, it's okay if I do that because people aren't going to be confused yet. Uh, once you get up into the 10 to 20 layer range, now I don't know what's on my own layers, you know, because it might be something that's a tiny little logo and I can't look at the little screenshot thing, uh, the little screenshot that, that it shows in the layer and tell what it is. Sometimes you can. Sometimes the thing is big enough and you can see what the object shape is or color or that it's some text. Uh, actually, the text ones kind of do it for you because it usually, you know, shows what what is in the line of text. But for, you know, something like that, that's a little tiny graphic or maybe an outline of something, it doesn't show up on the little screenshot. So you don't know what it is. So it's always going to be advantageous. It takes a little bit of time. Yes, you know, it's taking time out of your, your working time. But actually naming those layers as you go or as you get, you know, a few of them done, it's going to be a great way to, you know, you might have to set this Photoshop file or InDesign file or Illustrator file away for a couple of months and you come back to it and it's not as fresh in your brain. You don't know exactly what everything is. So if you have everything named, then it's going to, it's going to make things go quite a bit faster for you. And you'll be able to find stuff and you'll be able to jump around and, and do what you need to do. Um, Making a meaningful name is, is something that I mentioned just a minute ago. And this is some, something that we should practice no matter what we're talking about. If we're talking about naming layers, if we're talking about naming files, naming folders, uh, anything like that. You want to make something that's meaningful to you. And if you're somebody who works in a team and you have to pass those files on, it needs to be meaningful to anyone. It can't be in some crazy code. Uh, that only means something to you. Now, if you're working collaboratively, um, that may be a time to kind of make a set of rules. And this is something we do at my work because we have like a release schedule of, you know, every every release that we put up to the web, every release of our website, it has uh, a release number and then, um, you know, so, some other letters or numbers that indicate something um, to us. So it's a code that we all agreed on and we all understand and it lets us know, you know, when it was released, uh, what order and, and possibly what's in it. If you're working by yourself, uh, again, you probably have more flexibility to just kind of make up your own um, code, your own rules for what things are going to mean. And it's going to make sense to you, obviously, because you're the one that made it up. But it's a good thing to do. And when we're talking about saving files, um, we want to probably make a couple of rules that will let us know perhaps when the file was made, although that information is going to be contained in the file as well. But perhaps you want to make something at least in the month or the year that lets you know when you made it. Um, crucial to this, I think, is rev numbers, if we're actually saving out multiple versions, which we should be, you know, every time you come to at least come to a critical point in your file, like in a Photoshop file, if you work on it for an hour, you should probably be saving a new version of that. 
because you never know when something's going to be corrupt. And if you only have one file, sure, you saved it every time you made revisions to it. But if you only have one file and that file becomes corrupt, now you're screwed. Now you have to start all over again. So you should be saving different different revisions of each of your files. And of course, you could do something like Rev1, Rev2, Rev3, just tacked on to the end with like an underscore or something like that. for figuring out who it was for or what it was for, that's where you're going to bring things in, like maybe make an abbreviation for the client that you have. The company that I work for full-time is called Network Fleet. And a lot of times I'll put that in there. Or if I have to send files out to a printer or something like that, uh, I will either abbreviate or put our whole name in it. Sometimes our whole name for them. But if they know who we are, I'll abbreviate that to NWF. So that would be a good example of, you know, if I'm freelancing and one of the companies that I work for is Network Fleet, then I might name it, you know, NWF uh, underscore whatever it's going to be. Okay, if it's a folder, maybe I'll write folder or I'll make some kind of code that I know means folder like FLD or something like that. And uh, I'll put that next. And then after that, I would probably put the rev the rev number. So it would end up looking something like NWF underscore FLD underscore rev 23. And that would tell me that my client is Network Fleet. Uh, This is the folder project. And this is the 20, I forgot what I said, 23rd rev of that or whatever it is. Um, That gives me a lot of information just by looking at the actual file name. And also, if I don't know where it is at some point, it gives me some some good ideas of how to search for things. And it's kind of, it's almost the same as when you, you know, take photos and you bring them into iPhoto or uh, into Lightroom or Aperture or something like that, whatever you use. It's kind of like tagging, you tag the photos with different keywords. So that way you can look for that keyword and be able to find that photo. So now I have a few different, uh, a couple, at least a couple of different things to search for. Uh, If I know I'm looking for a file that's for Network Fleet, I just search for NWF. And it's going to bring up, you know, all the file names, of course, that have NWF, which will give me everything I've ever done for that company. But at least that's narrowing it down a little bit. I can also search for uh, FLD, and that will give me every folder file that I've ever worked on and have saved on my computer. So it gives me a couple of different areas there. And then, of course, I could also combine those two things together, and that will be an even uh, more pointed search to find a folder file that was for Network Fleet. So just little ways that you can, you know, put things into your file names and be able to search for them a lot easier, but also they make sense to you. You know, I know now who this file is for, and I know pretty much what it contains, and I know which revision of that f- of of that uh, file it's actually it actually is, and that that's a big problem too. I've had problems with that where you know I make a revision, uh, I have to send it out to the printer, so I've got this folder that says you know this is the NWF folder folder folder. <laughs> that kind of didn't make sense, but uh, it was a folder file and that's the folder for the the print files for that thing. Now somebody wants to make uh, an update to that. So I'm, I copy that folder over. I make the updates to it and I send it to the printer again. But the problem is I didn't actually change the name of that folder 
Uh, I changed. I may have changed the the rev version inside of the folder of the InDesign file, but I didn't change the name of the folder. You know, other than that it's just like a copy. Well, if you start to do that quite a bit, you you kind of forget which one is the newest one. So again, you know, every time I'm copying a folder over, which I want to do, you know, I don't want to just go back into my old file and start changing it. Although I could do that, I could just put more revs inside of that folder. But usually when I when I get to a stopping point and I have a folder created, and that was a folder of files that I sent off to the printer, rather than go back into that, I copy that whole folder. And that's where I want to put, you know, a new date or a new rev or something like that to let me know that this is the newest folder of print files that I have. And, you know, this is the new one, the latest one that went out to the printer. Kind of moving up the ladder, uh, we want to also organize, you know, a space on our hard drive, on our computer of where we put these things. You don't want to just like in my documents and all of a sudden you have a folder in there that's for, you know, your client net network fleet. So what I basically do is I have a folder for my freelance company or for my freelancing or, you know, something to that effect. Inside of that, I keep several different folders. As I said, you know, I'm kind of anal about these things. So I actually have lots of different folders. Uh, I have a client's folder, which of course is where I put all my client work. I have a contract folder, which is where I keep uh, kind of the generic um, version of my contract and all the files that go with it. Uh, I usually don't use this. I'll copy those those files into one of my client files and just kind of go from there. But I don't keep all my contracts in one place. I keep them with the files for uh, my actual clients. Um, I keep anything in here that I might need that maybe I bought. Uh, fonts. I have a folder for fonts that I've purchased for you know particular jobs that I've worked on. Uh, same thing goes with images or just any other kind of purchases. Uh, sometimes I work on websites, so sometimes I have to purchase um, domain names or, you know, hosting services for my clients. And again, you know, sometimes that'll go in here. Sometimes it'll actually go in the client's folder, uh, depending on, you know, what the, what the relevant relevance is there. Um, this is also where I keep my portfolio stuff. That's just my personal preference. I keep my portfolio and my resume information in here. Um, but I have all those inside of my actual freelance folder, uh, inside my client's folder. I have a new folder for each of my clients. And, you know, that might be a single company, which is the case for most of these. But I also have one that's for the marketing company that I worked for, uh, which is called AccuGraphics. So I have a folder for them. And inside of that one is kind of, this is kind of like their clients folder because they have lots of clients that I work for all of them because I work just for the marketing company. So inside AccuGraphics, I have like seven different, um, folders in here. And these are all AccuGraphics clients that I work for. Um, so these are all basically just different client folders as well. Um, so stick with me here. Like I said, I'm kind of anal. Inside of one of these, um, let's take for instance, Firestorm is one of their clients that I've worked for. We did a lot of web work for them. Inside of there, I have another group of folders uh, the first one is called Docs, and that's any kind of document that I get sent. It's usually the Word docs that contain, you know, the copy for the pages, um, anything that has, you know, I have one that has Google tracking code in it that just I just threw in there to be able to save that. Anything that's kind of uh, relating to 
my project here that's in a document that's it's not a document that's like an InDesign document that's used for one of the projects. It's not an HTML document that goes on the website. It's just documents that are supportive. Um, like I said, Word documents, anything that has information. Uh, if there was any key emails that I received on this project, I would probably save those in this folder as well. And it's just a place where I have kind of a, a group of assets that aren't directly related to my project uh, they are in the fact that they may contain information about the project, but they're not something that's used in the project. Uh, I also have a graphics folder, and this is where I put any of the images um, that are sent to me. Like if I'm working on a website, they say, okay, we want, uh, we want a photo gallery. So here is a ginormous folder of photos, and we want you to put you know some of these in there. So I'll take that folder and I'll put it in this graphics folder so that I know you know anything that I receive from them graphic wise is going in this folder. This is also where I put my Photoshop files uh, because again, this was a web project. I do have an images folder that goes in my project folder and those are the images that are gonna be shown on the website. Um, I don't wanna put my Photoshop files in there because I don't want to take the time to upload those to the server when there's absolutely no need for Photoshop files to be on the server in the first place. So I'll put all my Photoshop files in this graphics folder. And now I know every time I need to go back and work on um, some of the Photoshop files that were for this website, I know to go to the graphics folder. Now inside this, again, I have more folders. This is where you might want to just, depending on how many you have, you might just throw all your images in there and call it a day. I have more folders. Uh, I have images that were given to me for flash demos, uh, images that are in specific groupings. Like some of them are actually of firefighters out fighting fires. Some of them are of equipment, um, different things like that. I have a separate one for logos, and these are all the logo AI files that they were given to me. Um, you could make a PSD folder that's just the PSDs. And also, you know, if you have something like this that I'm working on, like a website, um, I might want to actually break that out into the different sections or pages of the website. So maybe I have an about us, a home page, um, you know, services page, make each of those a folders and put all my PSDs in those folders so that I can say, okay, uh, I need to work on this image that's on the home page. I'll just go to my graphics folder and inside that there's one called home and then I know all my home images, uh, all the PSDs are saved in there. Again, I, I'm very, very uh, anal about this stuff. I, I like to make as many folders as I can because it makes more sense to me. It takes more time to me for me to navigate through and find you know, the, the actual thing that I'm trying to find just in the the actual manual process of going through the folders, but uh, I can find everything very quickly because it all makes sense to me. Uh, also, going back into the actual client folder, the Firestorm folder, uh, I have uh, a place for mocks, and this is all my Photoshop mockups of what the site was going to look like before I actually started coding it. Um, I have a test folder, and I usually keep one of these. It's it's where I do little tests of things that I want to add to the website. Uh, if I have some kind of uh, JavaScript functionality or something that I want to test before actually putting it you know, into my site, I'll just do a little test right there and I'll put it in my little test thing. I also have one for video. Uh, any asset that you want to break out, I, I would definitely recommend doing so. So images, like I said, with the docs, which is basically copy video, 
animation stuff, anything like that, I like to break out and put it in its own folder. Um, the main folder inside of here is called FireWeb, and that's where I keep all the all the files for my website. And when you're doing something like a website, like a video, like I said earlier, for an, an animation, I've made Flash animations that have hundreds of support files for them. This is where you really, really need to be organized. Otherwise, things are going to go awry very, very quickly. Um, for a website, obviously, as for many things now, but a website, I think, is is the prime example. If your files aren't organized, if they're not where they're supposed to be, then things aren't going to work because that's how a website works. It's basically just a bunch of URLs pointing to different pages and different images. And if the image or page is not where you're pointing to, then you get one of those nice little question marks uh, for an image or you get a page not found for your page. So this is where it's very, very important to make sure that you you know, label everything correctly, that you're pointing to the right place, and that the files are where they're supposed to be. So um, there's a lot of different ways of doing websites. And uh, just a couple of ways that, that I'll share with you, first of all, is just to have all your main HTML files in the main folder there, in the, the root folder. Now, you're always going to have that... Uh, well, not always, but when you're working on a, a just a static HTML site, you're going to have that index.html file in that root folder. Um, if you choose to do so, you can also have your aboutus.html, um, your services.html, your news.html. You could just keep all those in that same folder. And then, you know, actually, you could keep all of your HTML files in that folder if you want. You could keep everything in one folder if you wanted to do it like that. It's not the best way to do it. What I like to do is actually make a folder for the name of each page that I want off of the home page. So I have like about us or about dash us as a folder. I have uh, news dash events for a folder. And that way, you know, inside each of these folders, I can just put another index.html file. And that's the file that will show up, you know, when I go, when I navigate into that folder. Um, I don't want to get too in-depth with this. If you don't work on websites, it's probably not going to make any sense to you. But it's basically just another way of organizing where things are going to go. Um, I would recommend always having, having an images folder and probably breaking that down as well, unless you only have a few images on your website. But you know, definitely have that images folder to put all your images in. And maybe inside of that, breaking it down by the section of the website, like I said before, uh, by the page, um, by something that's going to give you a little more information as to where to find that image when you go looking for it. So that's pretty much how I do things, uh, all the way from you know where all these files sit on my computer, as to mining down into it. You know, I have my clients, and then I have the client name. And then I have the different projects in there. Uh, one thing that I that I sort of started doing when I started freelancing was actually numbering the projects, and that's another great thing to do. Um, that way, it's another thing you can tack on to the name of your files and also your folders, and it's a, it's a great way to be able to search. Now, I always had my contract and my initial proposal to the client printed out because I actually handed that to them and had them sign it and give it back to me. So I always had a folder, you know, a, a physical folder of these files that I could go in and say, okay, which job was that? Okay, I'm working on the folder, that's job 236. And now I can go on my computer and search for just 236, and it's 
most likely going to find me that folder of files. So just another thing that you can tack on that will help you search for things and find them in a time, timely ma manner. Um, I think this is, uh, a, like I said, an essential skill. It's not something that all of us are good at. Um, I tend to be very structured in the way that I work automatically. Um, some people aren't like the person I was talking about before that just had tons and tons of files on their desktop. But it is a skill that you can teach yourself, that you can you know, get yourself into the habit of doing these things, and it's going to help you out tremendously. Like I said, you're not going to waste time by searching for things. Uh, if you have to pass files on to other uh, designers, they're going to understand what the hell's going on in that file. And then finally, you know, if you do end up turning your, your source files over to the company that you're working for, then hopefully it'll make sense to them as well. But I think the key thing there is being able to find what you need to find, not having to search too hard for it, and uh, not wasting time. All right, so our next one was sent in by uh, Esteban. And he he was writing about Flash. He loves Flash. Um, he, he wanted to know uh, some different things about how to do some things. And I said, okay, well, that's probably something for App Clinic where we, we can actually go through a tutorial and do that. But um, it says, is Flash dead? It seems like it seems like the games are here, but the 30-second intro to the site has gone away. I love Flash. Can you provide examples of how it is used today? And I thought that was a, a very interesting question because, yeah, Flash is used a whole lot differently than it was just even like three years ago, five years ago. Um, there still are the games, for sure. And I think there, to a certain um, point, there are still animations out there as well. Um, I think a lot of cartoony, cartoonist type of people, people who do that type of animation still use Flash because it's a good format for that uh, if they haven't completely gone to something like video using like After Effects or something like that. Uh, Flash is still a good way to get those things done. But like we said, uh, the splash pages, the uh, you go to a website and it has some kind of funky little animation in the beginning. It gives you absolutely no content whatsoever. It just gives you some crazy animation. And either you have to sit through it or maybe they're nice enough to give you a button that says skip this so then go right to the site. Uh, you don't see that stuff anymore. And it, it all kind of goes along with this this same theme that people want things instantly, you know? you everybody everybody is enthralled with having information at their fingertips right smart form smart excuse me smartphones are selling like hotcakes these days because everybody wants the internet in their hand they want to have these applications that tell them okay i'm here so what's around me um you know they want to have a browser there or a, a little google search or something like that that they can look things up and get the answer immediately so why would i want to go to a, a site and have to wait like 30 seconds before i can get the information that i wanted from that website that's why those things have pretty much died uh, people don't like waiting that's that's basically what it is and uh flash also has gone away for for other different reasons now there there's ways around it but flash generally doesn't give you good search results on your website so all those sites that were built entirely in flash uh are kind of gone because of that uh it's not easy to search for it if you don't make your own navigation within it uh when you press the back button it doesn't really work 
it it reloads to where you started off in the site in the first place, maybe, but it doesn't really work like taking you back to the page that you used to be on. Like I said, uh, a good Flash website has that stuff coded into it. It has its own navigation so that you can go back a page or forward a page or whatever you might want to do um, without having to rely on the browser because the browser doesn't really work. So there's some different things. Like I said, there's ways around it, of course, but there's just some things that uh, are a, a bit out of the ordinary with the Flash sites that um, the general public doesn't really maybe like or understand as well. So people kind of shy away from that stuff. Now, Flash is still all over the place in sites. And every time I see something moving, I I have this uh, need to right-click on it and see if it is Flash. Because a lot of the stuff you see out there, a lot of animations and stuff, actually aren't Flash anymore. They're CSS-based. They're, they're using JavaScript. They're using using CSS to actually move images around or create some kind of uh, almost like video or animation effect. And it's just, it's kind of a better way to do it because most people will have those technologies, but maybe it's not. Uh, it's really up for debate because if you turn off JavaScript, those things aren't going to work. But uh, the point here is there's still lots of Flash. And one of the areas that Flash has really been specialized for is video. And I think you'll notice this if you go to... Uh, pretty much any site these days, but things like uh, ESPN has video all over it, as well as like a large video player application that you can open up. Uh, I think it's called ESPN Motion or something like that. Uh, most of this stuff is fueled by Flash, because Flash video is very, very small. Uh, it runs pretty well, and it looks decent. And a lot of people have the Flash player, so if they make it for Flash player like 7 or 8, they're going to capture most of the people because most people have that installed on their computer already. Now, there are new features that come out in each of the Flash players, so sometimes they will use that newest technology and you might have you might be forced to, to, to actually go download the new player. But for the most part, you know, if you make something that's made for one of the older Flash players, and I can't really remember which one it is that they introduced the, uh, the, the video format into, but you're going to get a, a pretty good size audience. Uh, also, things like I think most of the the network websites use it. So you can go on to NBC.com or, or uh, CBS.com, and they have a big player because now they have their shows on demand. You can just go up there and watch the TV shows on there. And most of those things are also Flash based. Um, anything that's really interactive. If you've ever been to um, the Vans website, Van, I think it's Vans.com. You can actually customize your own shoes. You can build your own shoes, put different colors on it, stuff like that. All that is built in Flash. So applications are kind of the big thing with Flash these days because it's, again, it's lightweight. Uh, it has its own programming language that people can write in. And one of the best things about Flash is it looks nice. You can customize it. You can customize the imagery of it just like you can most things, but it's it's very easy to do in Flash. Um, so um, I'd say that's kind of the big thing of where, where this thing is going. Now, Adobe bought Macromedia and with it uh, bought the Flash technology. And a lot of people think that that's probably the main reason they bought Macromedia because now you're seeing them do a lot more with it. Um, it's actually being integrated into their desktop applications. It's a way of them actually building uh, components of the software that you use. And you'll see some of this in, uh, I just did a, 
app clinic this week on customizing panels for Photoshop. You can actually um, you can actually customize your you can actually make your own custom panels for Photoshop, and that's of course just the little panels that sit on the side with your tools and settings in it. And a lot of this stuff uh, uses Flash technology to actually deliver that content. So. Uh, Flash is absolutely not dead. I think it's more alive than it ever has been. It's just being kind of repurposed into different uh, different areas. It's something that, that might not be uh, so apparent to you that it is actually Flash that's being used, but it still exists in a lot of different areas. And like I said, when you see something that, that kind of animates kind of cool or has you know some kind of weird features that you don't see on every website, just right-click on it and... You know, it'll give you a little menu that that says, you know, Flash Player or whatever like that, uh, and you'll be able to tell that it's Flash. But um, if it's something that you you are indeed interested in, it's definitely a, a different skill these days. We're not talking about going into the timeline and building frames and and just moving images around. We're talking about a whole coding language that's kind of based on JavaScript. It's very similar to JavaScript, but it's called ActionScript. And with that language, uh, actually with the latest revision of that language, it's it works very very much like JavaScript in uh, in that you can actually define objects and and do pretty much anything you want with them. Uh, using that language, so it's kind of it's kind of turned into a programmer's uh, dreamland. There, just another extension, another language to to be manipulated to build things. But that's pretty much where Flash has gone. It's building uh, either online applications, or like I said, sometimes it's actually integrated into desktop applications as well. And that come that opens up a whole new can of of things to talk about, like Adobe Air, which is kind of a, a I forget what it's called. It's like a runtime uh, environment, I guess you would say. So basically, you you download this Adobe Air and it gives you a platform, a new platform to have different applications. So all these people are writing these tiny little applications. And as long as you have uh, Adobe Air installed, then you can download these little applications and run them from your desktop. So things like, uh, I have one that's for, let's see if I can figure out what it's called. Um, It's for Google Analytics. And it's called Analytics Reporting Suite. And basically, it just allows me to jump in to save my password and my username and jump right into it and check out my analytics for my different websites without having to go into the Google website, log in there and navigate to where that thing is. I can do it right from my desktop. There's also one called FaceDesk, which is uh, being able to get right into your Facebook account right from your desktop from from just a piece of software instead of through your browser so it opens up like a whole world of possibilities as you can see there's like a million things that you can do now so kind of the 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 uh category i guess you would fall into these days is there there are flash designers for sure still because people still do want that just animation type of thing but there is a, a whole new section of people that are Flash developers. And that when you see Flash developer, that means you're going to be working with ActionScript. That means you're going to be writing code. Um, that means you're going to be building probably applications either for the web or for desktop. And uh, it's, it's a lot more intense. 
you need to know quite a bit more things than just if you're going to go into the timeline, like I said, you know, draw some objects up there and kind of move them around so that it looks cool. So, um, yeah, it's really evolved into more of a technical kind of field there. But there are some very, very cool things going on there. And if you are not so inclined as to go the full programmer route and actually learn like things like Java or, you know, all the different programming languages that there are that I don't know about and don't care to, um, this might be the, the right avenue for you. So uh, hopefully that gives you a little bit of insight on where Flash was and kind of where it's gone. Um, I think it's some actually very cool, exciting stuff. But uh, you can definitely, you know, Google that stuff. I'll put up some of the links to the things I was talking about, like Adobe Air and stuff. I think it's very cool technology and uh, uh, things that if you're interested in at all, uh, there's definitely a lot of jobs that I see out there for that kind of thing. So uh, I think that's about it for this time, though. Uh, hopefully you guys found this information useful. But uh, like we said earlier, being organized, there's, there's just no substitute for it. It's going to save you a lot of time. It's going to uh, help you not annoy people that you work with if you're sending files to them. And uh, it's just a, a great thing to do. It's, it's the right way to work. And uh, I think it'll help you out in your workflow as well. And then uh, on the Flash thing, like I said, it's, it's kind of a crazy technology. It's really evolved into something... A, a lot bigger than I really ever thought it was going to be. And uh, if you are interested in that, I would say go to Google and just kind of look up uh, Flash development. I think you'll find that there are, you know, quite a bit of jobs out there. And there are actually agencies that specialize in that type of development and uh, some very good ones. So uh, there's definitely lots of information out there about that stuff. And uh, I think you should check it out if you're interested at all. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Our website for today is actually a place to search for jobs. And uh, I know probably a lot of you go out to different job boards, and there's a lot of different sites out there that have their own job board. And this is kind of a, this is a great site because it kind of lumps all those other job boards together all in one place. So... Um, you know, a couple of them that are on here are like the freelance switch site has their own job board. Crop has their own job board. Um, there's, there, it looks like there's about 10 to 15 different websites, uh, of job boards that they have all in this one area and you can search all of them at one time. So it's a great thing if you're looking for a job or for some freelance opportunities. And, uh, the, the website is called job pile, but the link is a little bit different it's at looks like rtpapers.com slash job pile. So it's a r t y p a p e r s dot com slash job pile. J o b p i l e. Uh, of course, this is always going to be on in the show notes on the Rookie Designer website. So just go to rookiedesigner.com and look for the show notes for episode 111, and you'll see the link in there that you can just click on. But check this out if you're looking for any kind of opportunities. I think it's a great way to search a bunch of different job boards at one time, which is uh, going to save you a bunch of time. So check that out. All right. Uh, thanks again for tuning in, for downloading the show and helping me out. Again, if you want to contact me, the email address is rdpodcast at gmail.com. That's R-D as in Rookie Designer, rdpodcast at gmail.com. 
Uh, we are on Twitter. Uh, the the name is Ricky Designer. Uh, I am still on MySpace. I don't think I've checked that in quite some time, so I apologize if you've written to me through that. I'll go check that. But uh, you know, this is something that I'm almost considering taking down uh, because it just I I I'm not there anymore. To be honest, I, I'm on Facebook more than I'm on MySpace, and I've kind of abandoned all my accounts on MySpace. But I'll go check it out and see if anybody's up there still. And uh, that's another way that you could contact me if you want to, but it might, might not be the most reliable way to do that. Uh, the most reliable way to do that is to email me, or you can go to the forums if you want to talk to other people, which is at rookiedesigner.com forum. And uh, you'll find hundreds of great designers up there to talk to, ask questions of, uh, whatever you want to do. All right. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new topic. And just remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's high.